0: Welcome everybody to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. Matthew 19.26 But Jesus looked at them, talking about the disciples, and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Jesus was talking about the the young rich ruler and his trouble with uh, that Jesus said about what he would have to do to totally follow Jesus. And he walked away sorrowful the scriptures say. And the disciples were going what? you know what's going on here? This... And Jesus says yeah but man this is really impossible. But with God all things are possible. So I want you to imagine this morning. I want you to imagine this morning if you really, totally, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all that was within you, you totally believed that scripture was true. That with God, all things are possible. A vision How free you would feel if you absolutely, positively believed in a God that was limitless. I kind of feel like Han Solo right now. You know, I don't know. I can imagine a lot. But not. But I'm not there yet. Because somewhere in me, I don't. I, I don't believe all things are possible. Somewhere. I believe God has, has given me a prophetic word this morning. And I, I, I need to set up the scenario to, to get into this word. Because it happened Tuesday morning. I have a new office at Sony Ulster Community College now. <laughs> I spent a lot of hours there, and they're, they're great hours because most of the time um, um, I get to, to spend outside, at least because the weather's been so beautiful, and they have a nice outside patio. And I, and I, I set up shop there and, and, and do sermon prep and write and muse and pray. And it, I have quite a few hours to do this, so it's, it's like my second office now. So I was up there Tuesday morning doing, doing that, having a awesome time with God. My morning devotions. Now, uh, when I do my morning devotions, and even when I do sermon prep, you have to kind of imagine what's on the table. I have my Bible, and I have my phone because i got my Bible app on there. And I have a yellow pad, a legal pad, that I just take rapid notes. Okay, I'm just writing down notes. Then I have my journal in case I have a, 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 a thought that I want to put in my journal, and then I have another little pad that I'm just writing down random things that may not be in, connected to what I'm studying. Okay, because this is how my mind works. So I have this all spread out on this table. And I am furiously writing in all three of those things and picking up the, the word and looking for the Greek on the, on the app. And I'm doing all this kind of stuff and I'm just getting into it and having this great time with God. God is speaking to me on so many different levels on Tuesday morning. It was awesome. One of those, one of those moments where it's just like everything is just flowing. And you feel so close to God. And... And I was also, uh, I had, actually, I had another pad, sorry. I had a, one more pad over here that where Mike and I are trying to discern what the next sermon series is. And so we have like seven or eight ideas. And so I'm, I'm writing down certain notes for those things as they're coming, as they're connected. So I am, I, I am writing so many things, I, I, you know, it's hard to keep up. And then God stops me in my tracks and he centers me on this little, this little notebook. He says, I, "I want you to write two words down." Yeah. So, okay, God does this to me often, and so the first word He tells me to write is the word distrust. Now, the word distrust basically means, you know, uh, having a, a, a belief in someone or something that you can't rely in, can't rely on. A few moments go by, and God says, okay, I want you to write this word down. Mouthpiece. Mouthpiece. Now, this God wasn't talking about the mouthpiece that athletes wear to protect their teeth during competition or the mouthpiece to a musical instrument. He was talking about someone who speaks or tries to interpret the opinions of someone else. Now, the old slang of this this word meant a a lawyer who would defend criminals. I have to admit, I write these two words down, and and it seemed so out of the flow of where I was that I'm going, I have no clue what you're after, God. I just, I have no clue. So I'm praying about it, and I'm thinking about it, and the best thing I could think of doing was saying, okay, Lord, what what meanest thou this? What meanest thou this? What, 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 What are you getting at? What do these two words mean? And sometimes when I ask God a question or, or, you know, God is, takes a pause, at least with me. I'll ask him a question and there's a pause. And now that pause could last days for me. You know, I can ask him a question and, and God will take his time in answering me. I'm kind of used to this now after 50 plus years of walking with him. Tuesday morning it was almost I couldn't get that question out. What do you, what are you after God? And it was like the answer came like so quick. And this is the this is the prophetic word, and this is how God answered. He goes, Sometimes my people distrust their faith and they become a mouthpiece. For doubt. Sometimes. My people mistrust. Their faith. And they become. A mouthpiece. For doubt. I'm just going to let that simmer in you for a minute. Can you feel the weight of that? Now, when Father was telling me this, there is no shame in this, okay? There is no condemnation in this. But I do believe that this is a warning a prophetic warning. I do believe that individually it means something, corporately it means something, and I do actually believe, I have a sense that God is speaking the same word to many other places. Maybe not with the same word, but the same heart. Where is it in the Psalms that says, you know, you will hear a voice calling from behind you. This is the way walk in it. I actually felt like God was just pushing us. Not shoving, but that, that hand that goes in your back and says, oh, you were, you were, you were walking off. You were trailing off here. I'm just going to, I'm going to push you back. To where you should be heading. This is the, this is the sense of where I, that in the heart of behind this word. And, it, and it's a very powerful word for, for a, a lot of reasons. I'm going to try to dig through this word this morning. This is not so much a sermon as it is an explanation of what God is saying. When we distrust our faith, when we, when we believe some words in our spirit that we can 't rely on God, so we become a mouthpiece of doubt. We speak defeat over ourselves before the battle even begins. See that and since prophetic words are multi dimensional they 're circular they 've got weight they 've got substance you know here 's the thing. If we distrust our faith, if 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 there's something in our spirit that says that we we can't really re- we can't really rely on God, and so we start to mouthpiece the lies and the deceits and the and the things that are misrepresenting God, and we speak defeat over ourselves, that causes more distrust. One feeds the other. God is saying, and and, and he and, and the the warning was 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 a, a it was a warning but but it was with a calling near if you can see that like c- c- come away from come away from that, come away from that come come here, get back on the path, see where you're going and I, I just have a sense that there's there is something probably in all of us this morning. In, in one area of our life where we're, we're distrusting our faith. We're, somewhere in our life where it's just, we, we really don't trust God. I mean, really, because it goes back to what Mike was saying even earlier, you know, what is the fruit? See, our, our faith is a, is a beautiful mixture of trust and belief. Trust is earned in our lives. We know this. We we earn trust and, and people earn trust in our lives and, and then we believe certain things and they, they're components of faith but normally what I've seen in my own life I will walk out what I really believe. Hear that? I will walk out the things I really believe. So it's really important that I believe the Truth. So I don't mistrust my faith and I don't speak words of doubt over me. Doubt is real. Doubts are powerful. Doubts are human. Doubts are powerful reminders that we're not in control. That we've never been in control. And then more than likely we'll We won't ever be in control. Except for one thing. How we we respond to the truth. That's the only thing we have control over. Really. Will we respond to the truth of God's word and not distrust our faith? The things that that we know are true about God, about who He is, and, and the evidence of what He's already done in our life. See, there's a lot of evidence that God has done mighty things in your life this morning, in my life this morning. We are, we are eternally saved from our sins. And if God did nothing else for us, that'd be enough to rejoice forever. But God continually works His character into us, continually works things out of us so that we become freer and, and become whole and become more like Jesus. So this was a gentle warning, but it was a, it was a, it was a serious warning not to mistrust our faith and become a mouthpiece of doubt because God wants us free. I think sometimes we, we get into a season of doubt or a time of doubt. We have very low expectations of God because I think we, and we think this wrongly. We think if we have lower expectations so that when our prayers are not answered exactly how we wanted them to be answered, we're not as disappointed, we're not as hurt, we're not as troubled by it. So therefore, our lower expectations protect us. Although that is really wrong thinking, right? They don't really protect us, they mislead us. To distrust our faith and say more things about to make us doubt God and who He is. Go to Acts fourteen. I think this story really tells t- <laughs> tells this point about low expectations, about low expectations and uh, and prayer, and who God is. About the time. Herod, the king, laid violent hands on some of of those who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw it, pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. King Herod was a pretty bad dude. He's killed James. Peter is next in line to probably die by the sword. Because King Herod knows that this is going to gain him some political and religious clout. And so he's happy to do this. He sends him to prison. The squads of soldiers guarding him. And it says in verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was being made to God by the church. That sounds great, doesn't it? Somewhere in in the night, God sends an angel to get Peter out of prison. Now Peter's, he's either, <laughs> he's either extremely confident or, or, or he just can't keep awake. He's as sound asleep. So much so that the angel's got to poke him in the side in order to wake him up. He takes Peter, the chains come off, he tells Peter to get, get his stuff together, and he starts to lead Peter out of the prison, through the gates. Peter is so out of it, he thinks that this is a dream. He doesn't even believe it himself. What's going on? But finally he gets out of the prison, he gets through the gates, he gets to the home where the people were earnestly praying for him and there's this servant girl named Rhonda. She hears Peter knocking, she goes to the door, she sees it's Peter, she's so excited that it's Peter, that the prayers have been answered, that she runs back to the other people in the house, leaving Peter at the gate. At the door. Which leads me to think. Peter must have been there waiting thinking. Help me Rhonda. Help me Rhonda. Help me Rhonda. Sorry I couldn't resist that. When I saw that. But really. She goes. She's so excited. She goes to all the people that are. Are praying for Peter's release. Earnestly praying for Peter's release. And she tells them that Peter's at the door. And they say. You're out of your mind. You're insane. That couldn't be Peter. It must be his angel. Not a angel. His angel. That's a little warped theology there, but that's, we won't go into that one. But, I mean, they, these people have been earnestly praying for Peter's release. And when God answers the prayer, they don't even believe it. I think... There's something wrong with their expectations about God. But but Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that what they were praying for? For his release? They were amazed. They really didn't expect Peter to show up. After all, James had been killed. I'm sure they prayed for James too. Doesn't say so, but I'm sure they did. I think God is trying to say something about our expectations. Because I believe low expectations of God leads to more distrust and doubt. Where we try to put, or try to find a box to put God into. Here's the problem with that. You can't put God in a box. He's unboxable. He's uncontainable. God is uncontrollable. He doesn't fit certain patterns. And every time we try to make God fit into a pattern, we are, we are really disappointed. And rightly so. God is unboxable. We can't put Him in a box. The reality is, we put ourselves in one. We put ourselves in a box. I I so wanted to get a big, huge refrigerator box this morning and preach from it. (laughs) I so wanted to to do that and then cut little eye holes out so I could just look at you, saying because that would limit my view of of you. So we don't put God in a box; we put ourselves in one. And all we can see of God is depending on the size of the box we put ourselves in. But that box is limited no matter what. I'm limited no matter what. But we serve a limitless God. Without limit. Boundless. And God wants us to elevate our low expectations of Him to over the top expectations of Him, because with God, all things are possible. This is not God doesn't want any any sort of a box around us. And when this is the verse that God led me to during this time, John fourteen one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Basically, the Greek phrasing of this means, Stop letting your hearts be troubled. Set your hearts at ease. Jesus says this is possible by believing in God and believing in me. That phrase, let not, could be translated, Say a big no to it. That's, a, that's really what it's saying. it's saying. Say a big no to your hearts being troubled. But say a big yes to God. You get that? You get that? Letting your hearts be troubled. Which means we have a choice in this. To believe in a God that's limitless, who is inexhaustible, who is unending, who is boundless, who is immeasurable, who is bottomless, who is... Vast and endless and countless and infinite and measureless. This is the God we serve. This is a God who doesn't doesn't quit on us. Doesn't forsake us. Doesn't leave us. Who is limitless in his love. Limitless in his kindness. Limitless in his faithfulness. God is limitless. But my people sometimes distrust their faith and they become a mouthpiece for doubt. First John four ten. This is real love. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That is limitless love. Limitless grace, Ephesians two eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I need a God of limitless grace. Because His grace overwhelms the things that overwhelm me. His grace overwhelms the things that overwhelm me. I need a God of limitless grace. That I can rely on, that I can call on, that I that I can walk in, that I can just experience through every situation that I walk through. That limitless grace. I need limitless protection from fear. Isaiah 41.10 So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you and help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right Hand. And I need a God with limitless power. Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? I love that. When I'm facing doubts and fears and worries and concerns and they're coming against me and they're they're full frontal against me, I can say to that, But really, who could be against me? Because God is for me. And He's limitless in this. In His power, in His scope, in His ability to rescue me, to deliver me, to make me secure, protected. And then there's limitless forgiveness. Psalm 103.12 As far as the east is from the west... So far, does He remove our transgressions from us? Wow, that is pretty far. And He throws our sins into the depths of the sea, and He tramples over our transgressions. It says in another verse. That's limitless forgiveness. And then, probably, maybe the thing that I might need the most at this point in my life is limitless patience. Second Peter 3-9, the Lord isn't really being slow about His promise as some people think. No. He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. What we really have to learn to distrust are the doubts that the enemy puts in our mouth. It is a choice here. God is saying that this word is about your choice. But are you seeing this? Your job is to discern this word. Discern it for you. Discern it for us. That is that is your job, to see if this word rings true. Okay, That's my charge to you. I believe it is, otherwise I wouldn't have shared it. But you need to discern this word. It's time to stop having a low expectation of God. And when I talk about expectations, I'm not talking that, that we set forth something that God has to do. That's not what I'm talking about. That I so love my Father, that I so love my God, my Lord, my Messiah, my King, that I trust him to do what's best for me. And I expect him, that that's his desire is to love on me and to bring me into completion to look more like his son, Jesus. See, that's my expectations. That when I pray to him, I trust in his answers as much as I trust in his promises. See, that's my expectation. I hope and I wait and I expect of the Lord because I know he's good, righteous, true, and kind. Those are the things I expect from God. Because that's who he is.